Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1 The Beard. Starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher Jarrett Johnson. The Beard Sports Director Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pre-Game, Jeff Scott. Alright, well, welcome to Friday. You picked a, a great day to, to wake up. <laughs> so, you know, it's Friday. Yeah. You're going to wake up on a day. Hey, it's a good one, right? Sure, why stay in bed all day. Sure. Nope, it's a good day to good day to get out and enjoy. It's Father's Day weekend coming up, so all the dads. Your special day is Sunday, so get ready to uh, to be to be treated accordingly. Well, what do you do for Father's Day, Jeff? When you're a dad, uh, usually you usually I have to uh, cook for myself and uh, you know, <laughs> really do some yard work, you know, things like that. No, no, I I always find though it seems like Father's Day a lot of times you, as a dad you end up grilling out or something doing mm-hmm. mother's day it's a it's a take mother somewhere to brunch or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah but dad it seems like a lot of times you just end up you know cooking out cooking for yourself you know the whole family's there but i usually get a tie or a nice shirt you know? underwear yeah. and socks yeah i mean the the girlfriend and the kids are you know they always go for the same gifts yeah you know that's fine here i got a life cheat for you a life hack here um even if you're not a golf fan uh you know one of the best things at our age or naps. Oh, yeah. So say all I want to do is watch the U.S. Open, which let's face it, you know, that soft <laughs> voice, you know, in Jim Nats, you got yeah, yeah you the beautiful scenery, birds chirping, park in your chair, take a nap, take a long nap. They yeah. can't, you know, it's Father's Day. You say, right. hey, I want to watch the U.S. Open. I want to watch the Open. Don't don't bother me. And you take a nap. What can they do? Right. Exactly. It's your special day. That's right. No, I'm all about it. That's what uh, I always heard that thing about. You know, what is what does Dad want for Father's Day? <laughs> Your silence. <laughs> hey, the older I get, the more I appreciate that too. So, all right. Well, uh, anyway, happy Father's Day uh, coming up to every, all the dads. Uh, coming up on the show today, time for uh, Texas Tech uh, Sports Year in Review. And we've got an all star lineup for you today on the Rockin' Pregame. First, Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout will be joining us for a Texas Tech Baseball Year in Review. Then Ryan Mainville returns to break down the new roster additions and things he's seeing in the stats for Texas Tech basketball. Also today, Lubbock Avalanche Journal Sports Editor Carlos Silva Jr. talks Red Raiders and UIL. Also, former Red Raider wide receiver, now AD and head football coach Lyle Leong Jr. Uh, talking about his new challenge in Leveland. Jarrett's got the uh, recruiting breakdown for us as usual this week. But first, time to get the pulse of the Rockin' pregame with the Rockin' Reality Check. Time to take the temperature of Texas Tech sports with a Rockin' Reality Check. Pete! Is that new open? That is. It's brand is it? new. I had not heard that before. Everything, everything's brand okay, new. For, our, for our final show of the season. <laughs> was that Sammy Hagar? Everything Higar? is new. Yeah, that was <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <guitar there. 55. laughs> yeah. No, that was a follow-up. I can't drive I gotta tell you all so, something. Yeah. The other day... I, I swear, I look up on TV and it's Sammy Hagar playing. I had, needless to say, a series of events that were, you know, uh, depressing. And then 
I was like, of all things, I got to look up and see Sammy Hagar on the TV. <laughs> I don't care about your laugh. It did. I, I, you have to laugh You're at yourself. You know. It was. Yes. All right. Well, Pete, uh, rock and reality check. Well, I'm going through the uh, the best week of my life every year because it was my birthday, and then it's Father's Day. I mean, that's oh man, that's awesome. hits right there. So I'm enjoying that. But uh, my daughter just passed her driver's test, and I let her drive yesterday in, in mom's car for the first time. She went out. As soon as she left, I broke down and cried like a little baby. But I got this. I think it's called Life Life or Live Three Sixty. Live Three Sixty. My, my brother that uses that with, for, with my awesome. nephew. Yeah, it you know it brings you some peace of mind. I looked. I see she's at Target. I see where yeah. she's going. I can see how fast she's going too. And I only I, yesterday I only looked twice, but I can see some people being real psycho about it. But then my girlfriend my also got on it, yeah. and now my girlfriend's like, "What are you doing? Why are you over at Ninety Eighth? I said, I'm, oh. "I'm at the Walmart. I'm getting a, a getting a Pepsi." Yeah. So, so yeah. They, see, that's what I'm saying is like the people I've noticed who enjoy, enjoy using this app the most are the ones who would have hated it when the most when they were teenagers. Yeah. Right. Like my brother, come on. It's like yeah. you wouldn't yeah. have been able to do half the stuff you did in high school right. if, if mom and dad had this. Yeah, but boy, I, I he find, uses it. I find any kind of surveillance creepy. I, I'm, yeah. not a, yeah. I'm not a surveillance guy. And even with my daughter, <clears throat> I my wife has that app, and yeah. she she loves keeping track of my daughter, and my daughter hates it. Yeah. And uh, and and I'm always telling her, you're, you're going to drive yourself crazy with this. Yeah, you're right. And, and but then there's times where you think, yeah, but you know, she's getting ready to go off to go off to school this uh, fall. And so then I think, okay, I could see turning that thing on just to make sure she gets to where she's going. You know, when she's traveling, I can get that. But just the day to day, oh, oh, you know, what, where are you at now? Oh, it looks like you're over. How come you're going 55? It's a uh, 50. There. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. I think you can really get obsessed with it. Yeah. But I just hate surveillance in general. I am not a surveillance society kind of guy. So. Beware, my nephew told me that there are ways around it. If you're a kid. Like you, you can, can you can game the off. system. Yeah. Or at least make it look somewhere. like yeah. Well, that's one. That's one of them. <laughs> right. But how many? teenagers are willing to part with their phone you know what i mean right. you know, but there he said that he wouldn't elaborate i'll uh turn the screws next time i'm with him but uh because i do have you know i have my boy lucas coming up uh so i don't know I, it seems like i would like you said jeff i have the app but i don't i, I can't be yeah be one of those things like if if i haven't heard from I'm like all right i see you're here i right. go i go find you you know right. that kind right. of deal yeah. more than tracking every moment yeah that's what because uh, you know my sons when they were teenagers stuff we didn't have this app and and i just always i just always told him said you tell me where you're going to be yeah. but you better be there and if i go by there and you're not there yeah. then we're going to have a problem and you can be staying at home more but if you'll be where you say you're going to be and let me know if you leave and go somewhere else just keep keep in touch then we're cool but you violate Absolutely. that and, I, and, I believe uh, you the way you told me i yeah. had like a moment i felt like i was a teenager again <laughs> Okay, Dad, I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, but you know, we had that understanding. I didn't need to surveil them 24 right. hours a day, you know, so that's why I just don't like that. But Did you ever go check yeah. on them? Uh, oh, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. So especially my oldest. He he was always the one that was trying to pull a fast one, mm -hmm. and uh, he learned real quick that uh, Dad was serious. What's so, funny is now all we want to be is grounded, is be home in our right. chair. Yeah. Like, Please right. ground me. You know, you get old. I'm like, well, right. that's fine. I got to stay in the recliner. <laughs> <laughs> well, between you. those... Life things going on. I mean, I was disappointed what happened with Red Raider baseball. I was hoping to be in Omaha this week, and just the way it went down. But you know, that's baseball, and uh, you know, Stanford brought it that weekend. But uh, it was great seeing Josh Young hit a home run for Frisco the other night, and he's you know batting like four fifty. And uh, man, hopefully in September or, or so we get, we get to see him up there with the Rangers. Eventually, he'll 
you know, be the permanent third baseman. You would think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exciting to see. Good kid. All right, Jarrett. Any luck with the the car? I know that like this no, is a I'm uniquely tough time yeah, to get. She's a... driving mom's car now, so but okay. you know you go and the the used cars are are even more than the the new cars, right. and I'm I'm not doing I'm not falling for that crap. I think I'm going to sell my old hoopty now because this is the best time to do yeah, it. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. You're right. I wouldn't so. do it because it's paid off, but you're always telling me, "What, what is this car? <laughs> <laughs> you have this new car. You have this old hoopty." I, I was like, the, 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 "The hoopty is paid off. That's why I love it." But yeah, no, no, it's maybe the time to do it, but. <laughs> it's gonna cost you more than that, Sean. But I don't know, man. I was gonna say my rock and reality check starts with what a show you put together here, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Dylan. Like, yeah. man, this is this is awesome. So, looking forward to that. Yeah, obviously, Tech losing the way they did to Stanford in the Supers was disappointing. But you know, and I'm not just saying this; I really believe it. Uh, given all the the injuries they had, yeah. you know, I thought they overperformed in the region. I was like, man, we I really underestimated how good this team is. And it's Tadlock again, so. You knew it was going to be tough against Stanford, but uh, you know it just wasn't in the in the cards for them uh, to go to the World Series. But it, that's where they are. Is like even with all those injuries, it's like man, you know, is this a bad season because they didn't go to the College World Series? That's <laughs> insane. So, uh, needless to say, Tech baseball is in great hands there. So, uh, to me, I feel like y- you should feel almost like mission accomplished considering all the injuries. And then Arkansas, Arkansas. right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. Even though Tadlock has proven otherwise, uh, it, it's hard to make it to the College World Series. So, uh, you know, it, this, is a, this is fine. They're, you know, they're in good hands, obviously. So, and then in terms of football and basketball right now, obviously with recruiting opening up this month, it's really exciting because both programs are doing very well. I mean, Bryson Williams, the addition uh, to the basketball team is huge. Texas Tech picked up, uh, you know, his first, finally his first 2022 commit. Uh, they have a bunch of guys coming in. Uh, over the you know next couple of weeks, so or next couple of weekends that I'm really excited about, and you know obviously they've really uh, rung the bell there at the transfer portal in terms of adding to the roster. So I mean, I, really, if you look at the three major sports, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about all three simultaneously as I am for next season. So you know we're doing a lot of in uh, end of the year reviews. Which I, you know, of course I like, but I'm so excited about the future. I can't like I'm really chomping at the bit to get into football season next year. I've already gone record predicting seven wins. Um, I think that's uh, you know really attainable given the roster additions and the schedule. And then with basketball, I mean, uh, look, we were wondering can Coach Adams and his new staff recruit? I think the answer is yes. Now, can they put it all together? We'll find out. Which is like I said, I can't wait to see because uh, I think they will. Of course, with the the wobble. You know, uh, you know, making things, I don't know, is it comfortable or maybe uh, more amazing? Like, I, I could see them going, like, some of these guys who are going to come into this program and play at the Womble and then take a step down when they go to, if they go to the NBA. Right. And that's college football <laughs> programs, are, you know, in the arms race are a lot like that. I mean, if you go into an NFL locker room, a lot of times, I mean, there are exceptions, like what they have in Frisco there uh, for, for the Cowboys, but a lot of the NFL locker rooms aren't near as nice as some of these Power 5 college uh, you know, facilities because of the arms race. you know. Uh, so uh, it's just, I don't know. There's just a lot going on, a lot to be excited about in the future, and to, it's nice to be able to say that that is reality. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think there, there's a lot to, lot to look forward to and be excited about right now. Um, but I share with both of you guys, you know, baseball, uh, you know, it's disappointing. They didn't make the College World Series. But all things considered, I agree with said. It's like, you know, we, we always think that anything short of the World Series is a, is a failure or it's disappointing. 
But uh, with all the injuries, like you said, this a lot of people, and I've heard say this, that this may have been Tadlock's greatest job of coaching to cobble a team together with so many key injuries, especially, you know, pitching staff. Yeah. And, I mean, it just – and and all year it seemed like the, the pitching was the thing you worried about because if you're going to make a deep run in postseason play, you better have lights out pitching. This team didn't, and, and a lot of that does come from the injuries and everything, but – uh, the way they performed in the regional, you thought, well, gee, maybe yeah. they are turning it on to a different level. And I really thought they'd be okay against Stanford. And, uh, boy, the, it just, yeah, they couldn't stop Stanford. Stanford was Stanford's just, good. they were playing really, yeah. really well. And you got to tip your cap to them. I mean, that wasn't just something where Tech couldn't pitch. I mean, they they were really, had a great game plan and, and were really, uh, really good. So uh, you got to congratulate them. But uh, Tech baseball will be just fine, I'm sure. So that's our rock and reality check for uh, for the uh, for this morning. And uh, when we come back here, we start our kind of year in review. A lot of uh, special guests dropping uh, drop into the show today as uh, we're getting ready to wind down for this season. We'll be taking our uh, summer hiatus and uh, pick it back up sometime in August. We'll let you know when uh, we get ready to talk. Uh, football season so that'll be something to look forward to certainly but uh, coming up next keith patrick from red raider dugout joins us for the texas tech baseball year in review red raider dugout all right we welcome uh, co-managing editor and publisher of red raider dugout keith patrick and keith welcome to the rockin pregame today thanks for having me guys yeah excited very welcome. I appreciate you uh, appreciate you being here today. So, Keith, the College World Series is going on without the Red Raiders. What did you see in the Super Regional that you uh, did, really didn't expect? I, I think like a lot of folks, I didn't expect Tech to get manhandled. I mean, they were beat in all aspects of the game. I mean, tip of the cap to Stanford. They came in ready to play, and nothing intimidated them. The weather didn't bother them, and they showed off great starting pitching and – big bats and i think it was just um i mean they they won outright and so i think that when you looked at the stats you thought that tech pitching would handle them a little better even if you struggled a little bit with their starter and i think that williams on saturday was a surprise i mean he went second complete game in his career he had had some surgery and was had been kind of rehabbing and playing back in and i think he hit his stride obviously and had a career day against the red raiders so it was a little bit of a surprise to me, and you know, I know fans aren't excited about it by any means. Still a good year, um, but man, Stanford came in hot and, and ready to go, and and they won. I mean, just flat out in every aspect of the game. Keith, how would you grade the job Tim Tadlock did as the coach this year, especially with all the injuries? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was an incredible coaching job, and it goes beyond injuries. I think too, and that was huge to have to deal with and manage. Uh, we've never seen a dugout that got so thin. I mean, you got to a point where you had Braden Runyon and Max Marshock sitting on the bench, and that was just about it. And so it, it, it was a little wild what they were having to do and deal with. And, and remember, there was more than just the guys you lost. I mean, you got three potential starters, one who was uh, currently starting, and then Hunter Dobbins was going to be your Friday night starter in Fort Worth, and he went out really late or in Arlington. Um, and then Jacob Brostowski, a, a big-time relief arm for you, who was a JUCO transfer, and you never got to see a lot of, but the guy throws 99 from the left side. And then don't forget, Dylan Carter didn't come in until April. Drew Baker missed a few weeks with a quad strain, and that was a nagging injury that he was dealing with. Um, Kurt Wilson was out a month other than pitching a little bit. When you needed some depth, uh, he was he was out of the lineup as well. Then, of course, you lose Dylan Noisy for the season. He was a 
preseason all Big 12 player of the year. And so that was huge. But then go back and think about a lost 2020 and the middle aspect of that for the team and the coaching staff. And it was very much at the national media level too, that quote unquote text year, this could be it, you know, this is the one and you lose your opportunity. And then you have to deal with the roster challenges that came along with that all through. Um, You lose two major starting pieces to the draft. You lose Brian Klein and John McMillan, some very heart and soul of your team kind of guys. New dudes come in a ton of arms So you had a lot of freshmen that you were trying to work into some time and get them built up to the college level. And nobody had gotten to throw or play other than a very limited few. Max Marshock played last summer. Jace Young played last summer. Most guys didn't get to do anything. And so it was a huge curve. Now everybody had to deal with it, uh, but they didn't necessarily have to deal with it. And then all of the injuries and the struggling uh, or the scheduling woes that went along, not getting a full season on the schedule and so not even knowing what the Big 12 was going to do until very late as well. Um, Kind of an untold story in some of this, Joe Hughes, the director of ops for baseball, he started a national email chain between every D1 athletic department just so they could try to schedule games with each other as the times came up. Um, It it just was wild and and really I think the staff thought that you were going to be in four game conference series you know, up until the last minute, they didn't know what to expect from a scheduling standpoint. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've got to give him an A. I mean, it was it was an incredible coaching job for him. And there was so many of those challenges. And then all of that just put baseball on top of it. And you're trying to build a team and get guys um, gelled and cohesive and playing and believing in each other and finding their identity. Every squad has their own identity. And, you know, you're putting all that together. It, it was incredible that they were in a super regional. And if you had told any of us two months ago, let's be honest, that they're in a super and once again trying to get them, make their way to Omaha, I think we would be surprised. Um, and, and I think the fact that they dominated the regional like they did and it played out in a good way for them, and then you came in and you got disappointed in the super regional has soured that, but we can't lose the perspective of what it was. I think it was an incredible job by him and the whole staff, an incredible job by those, that team uh, to show the resiliency that they did. Yeah, for sure. What are the uh, bright spots that you saw this year? You know, one that uh, Braxton Fulford. And I think we've seen Brax grow up from a, you know, flaming bat promo photo that we see jumped around on social media at Monterey High School. And he's really grown into a strong defensive catcher. Um, And now you've really seen him work an incredible amount. And so he didn't get much of a rest at all, certainly in the last two-thirds of the season. Uh, Barely got an inning off. Uh, Still remained a good defensive catcher, a Buster Posey finalist for catcher of the year. And then added that pop that you saw and all the home runs that he started hitting and uh, got himself into a, a, you know, a middle draft kind of conversation, fifth, sixth, seventh round kind of guy, where before I don't think he would have been in the conversation at all, even in the 20 round draft. Uh, So that's huge. And it was a it was a huge boost to the team and a guy that you love to see succeed. He's a great kid, great local kid from from Lubbock, and I think that that uh, was really a bright spot. Kurt Wilson in the regional, that was a really fun one to see, and, and a guy that has battled his way through so many things and plenty of adversity and had so many big moments, and then the regional to be the most outstanding player I thought was, was really cool as well. And then the ones that you kind of expected, you knew Jace Young was going to be a big guy this year. You didn't know he would may have the monster season that he did. You knew Cal Conley, you knew Drew Baker, and man, they really delivered. They put together incredible seasons. Conley now the the 
Brooks Wallace Award winner, so best shortstop in the country, but the first Red Raider to win that since the award began in the early 2000s, and it's named after a Red Raider. So that doesn't come easily. That was a huge one as well. Um, I thought that that was, that was great stuff. And then on the mound, Micah Dallas being willing to move back and forth like he did and deliver in the ways that he did in some big moments, I think was was another fun one to see. And, you know, you could go on for a while. I, I think my last one I'll say, and, and it feels like a redemption story to those of us that watch, you know, baseball year after year, Ryan Sublette was huge. And my goodness, I mean, I remember a time with my friends in the stands, they, they were not a big Ryan Sublette fan, you know, and, and he was inconsistent when he came out. And there's one game, you know, I remember a couple years ago, he throw, comes out just throwing gas, like 98, he's nails, he's incredible, and then it, it didn't come back, he didn't replicate. And this year, man, he was he was obviously your best bullpen arm, he was your number one option out of there, you're saving him as long as you can. Uh, he really came up big for the Red Raiders, Love seeing what he did and put together, and, and he really increased his draft stock as well. Well, let's talk about the draft. Who do you think will be drafted and who will stick around for another year at the law? Man, that's always the million dollar question, isn't it, Pete? I mean, it's, it, I'll tell you that. So the, the Baseball America Top 500 recently came out. They had uh, eight Red Raiders on that list and a couple of signees as well. Your highest that are currently on the team is Drew Baker at 169. So I think that puts him uh, about the fifth round, somewhere around there. It's a 20 round draft. So it's, it's a new ball game. I mean, you had this sh- really short draft last year, and normally you think about guys. Hey, I'll, if I play my, if I'm a junior, I have leverage, and there's money, and all these conversations. There's also a new minimum in the draft, and so these guys can only get. I mean, they can get twenty grand, and it's take it or leave it. You know, MLB has a little bit more leverage than they used to have against these guys too, and so that's where kind of John McMillan ended up um, last year, and so you know, I think that. To me, Drew Baker, Cal Conley, probably Braxton Fulford, who graduated with his finance degree this year. Those are some guys that I would I would count on uh, probably going ahead and, and going to pro ball. Not that I have any information. This is just gut feeling kind of stuff. Um, Micah Dallas, I think, is an interesting case. He's a guy, if he can solidify as a weekend rotation guy, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in his value. So he has a potential if he can lock that down, if he came back um, to put that money back onto the table for himself, where he is right now, he's lost quite a bit of that. Uh, I think Birdsell's also interesting. He's a high upside guy for the MLB. And so he's at 362 on those projections. And so that would be another interesting one kind of either way. I would expect Ryan Sublette to go ahead and go. Um, I think he's done a lot in college and, and wants to get up there and, and develop uh, on the MLB side or on the, the minor league side. Uh, those are the guys that I would kind of think about. Montgomery's on that list. I think he's still pretty young and has an opportunity to prove some things. Uh, this was the first season you saw him in a solid starting role and really contributing. So I think he has a chance to to increase that stock. And remember, a lot of these guys, you know, they're still sophomores. And so I'm kind of getting into that when you're a junior, what does your leverage look like next time? And then Monteverdi's another question mark. Obviously, we know his path, D3, D2, coming to Tech. Um, he struggled when we got into Big 12 play this season. And so a guy that could still come back one more year if he felt like he had some things to prove at this level. You know, he's he's a, not a velo guy. And so with his skill set, you got to be 
dead on accurate, kind of like Beck was on Friday night in the Super Regional. He need you need to get those Greg Maddox kind of comparisons for him, and uh, it could be a guy that feels like he has something to prove as well. But the Red Raiders have a bigs coming in too, and you've got to think about roster spots and playing time and what your opportunities are going to look like. He's co-managing editor and publisher of Red Raider Dugout, Keith Patrick, joining us today on the Rock and Pregame. And how does the new baseball facility help the future for this team? Well, Jeff, I think that they've taken succeed in spite of kind of mentality and and the coaching staff j bob and and coach tadlock specifically i think it's we don't need shiny things for kids to want to come play here and i think a big part of that is just how they coach and manage this team um players say it all the time braxton fulford said it after the post game on on saturday and, he, and you know he was a little bit emotional at that final game too just saying that they let these guys be who they are to be the baseball players they want to be to play how they want to play. Uh, they don't try to fit them into any molds. And I think that's very appealing to these guys and these, these high level players that come. And obviously it's been successful, but man, it's just a, it's a bullet in the gun. It's a tool in the toolbox. Uh, and, and in my opinion, it's long overdue. And so getting that facility up to snuff, giving those players um, a great place to be together, to grow as a team, to do the physical things they need to do, uh, really one that, that seems a little silly on the surface level, getting the coaching staff out of the press box areas and the club areas where offices are now. I mean, some of those guys are using the radio booths as offices during the week. Um, and Coach Tadlock's up there at the end of the club on the first baseline and walking back and forth across the field to that clubhouse, getting everybody together makes them more efficient, helps them work together better, gets them with their guys all the time. I think that's just a really a big positive. And kids like to see that stuff. They like to have those amenities. Um, and I sincerely hope that the athletic department, and I think they do, have more plans coming. Uh, and I think that would almost definitely have been part of the conversation with Coach Tadlock and, and the contract extension uh, to look at those future plans for what the ballpark will be eventually. And, and I appreciate Tech putting those resources in because this is a program that can be good for a very long time, you know, and, and a little bit of a sour taste right now, even though, and, and that just speaks to our level of expectation where you're losing your first super regional ever, your fifth in program history that you've been in, and um, you're, you're upset about it. You know, I think that says a lot, and, and there's a bright future ahead, and, and this is a great first step. Who are some of the lesser known names that Red Raider baseball fans should be excited about next year? Some of the guys that you haven't seen, a whole lot of you saw a little bit of them. Uh, Drew Woodcox is one of them. He's a, he was a true freshman this year. You saw him in and out a little bit. He hit a couple home runs. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of playing time. That's a guy on the infield that I could see taking a much bigger role, particularly as you look at maybe losing you know, the left side of your infield. Is Cal Conley most likely going if Kurt Wilson decided to go play pro ball? Uh, as he and and Parker Kelly also draft eligible, what are they going to decide to do? Um, but nobody's locked that down, and I think that that third base is is open a little bit. You also don't really have a true first baseman. Um, so a guy like Drew Woodcox, six one, two hundred, he's out of Houston Lamar. He's been on the team. A guy that I think has a lot of upside for him. Uh, Braden Runyon is another. He was a JUCO transfer. Certainly looks the part. He's six foot, two twenty five, very athletic. He played third base at. Uh, at Walter State, where he came from. They've worked him a little bit in the outfield. Uh, Got to get the bat going, but a guy physically that could be really impressive uh, for the Red Raiders. Haven't seen a ton of him. You know, on the pitching side, Hayde Key is one. 
I saw him briefly just a little bit this year, but I'd be curious to see where he goes. He's a right-hander out of Missouri City. Um, Hampton, I think, is another one to talk about. A guy as a freshman that obviously had some opportunities, and especially later in the season, that could be a big piece for the Red Raiders uh, going forward as well. And there's just a ton of them. There were so many arms that came in. Levi Wells is one. He's got gas, live arm. Uh, upside and opportunity if he can if he can get the strike zone kind of worked out and the, and the mix worked out for himself and there's guys we've never seen Brandon Pettix is one he's a 6'6", 225 pound lefty he came out of uh, Alvin he's a JUCO transfer we didn't get to see him we saw him in fall ball a little bit and I mean you talk about first guy off the bus you know and so that's a dude that uh, you know as they develop as they play summer ball what can we really see out of them? Because, you know, they, they had a struggle year where they didn't get to do a lot of that. And those new guys coming in, they lost their high school season too. And so it was, uh, it was a tough year to evaluate them. And when you look on the recruiting side, you got two recruits on that draft list. Cam Cauley is the, the biggest one, and he's actually the highest out of all of the ratings. He's at 85 on that prospect list. If you get him to campus, he's a shortstop out of Barbers Hill. Um, really an exceptional player. He's a 10 rating on perfect game and just a 5'11", 170-pound guy. I mean, you're going to need somebody to replace Cal Connolly. That's a guy that's high on that list. Um, there's a guy that transferred in from Arkansas. He's with the team but is not eligible to play yet, kind of like Cal Connolly was coming from Miami. His name's Jackson Cobb, another infield outfield guy, um, similar in size, about 5'11", 170 to Cam Colley. So that's a guy that I think uh, – kind of keep an eye on. A.J. Smith-Shawver is a right-handed pitcher out of Colleyville Heritage. He's also on the draft list, but more down where Dallas is. He's at 321 on that on that potential. And so another guy that I would be excited about seeing. And, and the last one, and I, we've interacted a little on Twitter, and um, people will recognize where he's from. He's from White House, Texas. Went to White House High School. His name's Logan Whitfield. He's a lefty, 6'2", 203. But people forget Patrick Mahomes isn't the only Red Raider that came from White House. Josh Tomlin did as well, and he's currently playing pro ball for the Atlanta Braves. And I'm not saying that that makes Logan Whitfield great, but he's coming out of a program that's produced big leaguers, um, and I see how much he's working on social media, and that could be a guy that comes in looking to make some noise very early on for the Red Raiders. So it's once again a situation, not a, not a rebuild, it's a reload. Um, and, but I think there are going to be a lot of new names, and there's going to be some old names potentially transferring out. That's just the nature of, of college athletics now, uh, just based on playing time and what their opportunities are going to look like. To be honest, and he didn't look awesome, Brady Lejeune Diacutis. If that guy can, if if he can locate, he's that six seven like whip action, high angle kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. The guys that Kentucky beat us with a couple years ago, two, three years ago. So, yeah, there's a ton of them. It's just piecing it all together. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's uh, why Tadlock is so good at what he does, I guess, right? Omaha time is now, and let's put your feet to the fire. Who do you see in the finals, and who do you think is going to win? Jeff, I, I really like what Tennessee baseball has going on right now. I think Tony Vitello has done an incredible job. He's earned himself reportedly one of the biggest contracts in college baseball. Tennessee's promising massive stadium upgrades, looking to become an SEC power. Um, I think they're impressive, and I'm interested to see what they do there. The offense can be huge for them. Um, 
And, and so I, I think that's an, a neat one. Um, I think we're going to get the T-Bowl here between them and Texas, and you're going to battle for the ugliest orange, you know. But I think Tennessee is very interesting. And, man, it's it's really tough to pick against Vanderbilt and and to pick against Kumar Rocker and Jack, Jack Leiter and anybody beating them on any given day. They're facing some big offenses in that bracket. Arizona, obviously Stanford when they're rolling. Um, are, is a big offense as well. And NC State knocked out the number one seed at home in one of the toughest places to play in college baseball uh, at, there in, in Fayetteville. So I think Vandy can be the one there, but I wouldn't be surprised to see another come out of that side of the bracket. But, you know, for me, it might be an SEC final, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Uh, maybe I'm picking chalk, but I hate picking the postseason uh, Spencer Rogers from Staking the Plains asked me, "Is Arkansas going to win this whole thing?" I said, "Man, I would never guess in the in the postseason." And look what happens. You know, they're knocked out because that's the fun thing about college baseball. I mean, it it still has a Cinderella element, and especially in those last two rounds. I mean, you're playing you're playing a, a three game series to get there, and then you're in just a massive double elimination, high intensity, big crowd environment there at TD Ameritrade. It, it's just fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to still getting to see it, even though our Red Raiders aren't there. But I'll give you, I'll give you Tennessee Vanderbilt. Where can people find your work? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Red Raider Dugout, and uh, my partner and I, Randy Rosetta, and then Mike Gustin and George Watson have this Red Raider Dugout website going. We'll have uh, news about Texas Tech baseball, Red Raiders and the pros, recruiting class, that kind of stuff coming throughout the summer and into the fall as as we gear back up for this thing. Uh, I'm also at Keith B. Patrick on Twitter, and you can follow Randy at Randy Rosetta. But we appreciate everybody. This is the first year we've done this thing, and, and we've seen great traffic and feedback. People loving Texas Tech baseball and hungry for more no, more news about it, and I've enjoyed the heck out of it. So thanks, everybody, for your support, and, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, our pleasure. Co-managing editor and publisher of Red Raider Dugout, that's Keith Patrick. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today on the Rock and Pregame. When we return, Ryan Mainville from the No Middle Madness podcast and the New York Knicks is here to talk Red Raider basketball. Mavs Mainville time. All right, we welcome co-host of the No Middle Madness podcast, occasional writer for Mavs Moneyball and social media and digital content associate for the Knicks, Ryan Mainville. Thanks for coming back on the show. We uh, we appreciate you uh, we appreciate you being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Excited to be here again. All right, before I talk Mavs, what does your detailed spreadsheet show in terms of the benefits of adding Bryson Williams to the Red Raider roster? Yeah, Jared. Well, Bryson Williams does a lot on the basketball court that goes beyond the spreadsheet. There's only so much I can capture there. But in terms of the obvious things that, that point out, obviously the rebounding, 7.4 rebounds per game. That's what he does extremely well. He's a Windex guy. He's going to grab a lot of boards. Playing him next to Marcus Santos Silva is going to be lethal. Obviously, you've got to look at the points per game. Average 15.1 last year at UTEP was really the focal point of that offense. And then the free throw shooting. An 83.6% free throw shooter as a big man is really, really useful. He can get to the line a lot. Didn't really do it all that consistently last year, but there was also a game where he had 15 free throw attempts. So he's in there a lot, and once he gets to the line, he's making them. Well, two scholarships or so to fill. Man, what names uh, would be perfect for the Red Raiders to target in your mind? Yeah, well, I think right now we, we've got to look at Kevin Samuel. That's That's been the name that's been getting tossed around. 
be interesting to see what happens if he does end up in Lubbock and how the rotation forms around him because that's so many guys that you have in your front court that are more than deserving of high minutes who are veterans who have played at a high level and so that's going to take a little bit of a balancing act but just Samuel because his name has been out there and then the last one I think you've just got to take a flyer on somebody in the transfer portal. Maybe it's a young guy who didn't get a lot of minutes at his last school. Maybe rode the bench a little bit. Maybe a JUCO guy. Somebody that you're seeing with a lot of potential. And then maybe, if I can be really, really hopeful, maybe Terrence Shannon Jr. comes back and takes a final scholarship. All right. There's some media members who are ooing and aahing about what he who must not be named is doing at 40 Acres is Coach Adams playing a Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope boxing lesson with the national media? There are a few people in college basketball that I can think of that must care less about what people say about them than Mark Adams. He is a guy that loves basketball, doesn't seem to be swayed or really value the public opinion a whole lot. And I don't mean that in a negative context, but rather that he is going to get his guys and he's going to stick with them. So, I mean, just just look at the roster that he's assembled. We've got guys from JUCO, guys from community college, guys that didn't play a lot of minutes at their last school, guys that were playing at the mid-major level. Mark Adams is not targeting guys just for their name's sake. He's not targeting guys that were at Power 5 schools last year just because that's where they were at, regardless of if they played two minutes the whole season or not, and then he wanted that talent. No, Mark Adams does not care about that. He wants to get his guys, guys that are going to play defense, guys that are going to bring energy and versatility on the floor. He is in the portal, and he is looking for guys that will contribute to his team, but guys that will fit in with his culture. And that can go a long way towards winning. I know that not a lot of media members think like that. Not a lot of national media members will think like that, especially when he who must not be named is landing guys that are pretty big names. But let me tell you, I feel really confident about the roster that Mark Adams has assembled, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. There are some good players going to play basketball in Austin next year. I really like Trey Mitchell. I really like Dylan Disu. There are some really good players going to play basketball in Austin. I'm not trying to hide that. I'm not trying to lie about that. But then you also have a guy like Devin Askew, who played at Kentucky last year, didn't get a whole lot of action and that transfer kind of created a lot of buzz and I was a little puzzled by that because he just wasn't a guy that put it together on the floor all that well last year for a Kentucky team that was really really bad and so I think when you're looking at the portal I don't care who's listed in the top 10 of most desirable names on, on CBS Sports, ESPN, anything. What I care about is what scheme, what system is Mark Adams going to run? And then what players are out there who can fit into that? And that's exactly what Mark Adams has done. And I think that deserves to be celebrated more than just landing the guys with plow. All right. Well, if you were going to get a Big 12 vote right now, who are the teams people might be sleeping on? Yeah, the team that I have been high on really since the offseason started is Oklahoma. I am a big believer in Porter Moser. He's gotten some really, really good talent from the portal. I think they have a chance to be really good next year. We'll have to see it come together on the court, but I think that they're going to be a top five team in the Big 12 next year with the potential to be really, really good and be a trap game for the four or three teams that are at the top and are probably going to be top 15 teams in the nation. And then I also really like Kansas State. I think Kansas State is looking like a tournament team right now. They, they were really, really bad to start the year last year. But that youth and that talent that they have, it kind of came together towards the end of last year. They almost beat Texas Tech in a game that 
made a lot of Red Raider fans pull their hair out, but Texas Tech did end up winning. But Kansas State, I think they've got a lot of youth and a lot of potential. And if it comes together on the floor, they're going to be a really hard team to beat. If I had to pick my top five teams right now in the Big 12, well, I would first just say that my philosophy is looking at it from a roster standpoint. So what do I think are the five best rosters in the Big 12 right now? Because we don't know how these teams will play. There's always going to be teams that surprise surprise you whenever they actually start playing. And, you know, you get to see the talent on the floor. But in terms of rosters, I feel pretty confident that the five best teams in the Big 12 right now are Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. I think those are the five best teams in the Big 12. Social media and digital content associate for the New York Knicks, Ryan Mainville, joining us on the Rockin' pregame. Which newcomer on the Texas Tech basketball team are you the most excited about? Yeah, Pete, since day one, I have been sold out on Sardar Calhoun. I really, really like his skill set, and I think that he's getting a little bit undervalued because he didn't play a lot at Florida State. And I think it's important to note that Florida State is one of the deepest teams in the nation when it comes to wings. It is not easy to walk into that program and play on the perimeter. Um, So what Sardar Calhoun did by pulling together 14.2 minutes per game is actually impressive to me because this is a guy who started at the JUCO level, then went to Florida State to play a, a prestige program in the nation. And what we saw Sardar Calhoun do at Florida State, it wasn't exactly what we saw at the JUCO level, but at the JUCO level, just shot the lights out of the ball, consistently a 40-plus percent shooter on high volume. And then another thing that excites me about him is his athleticism. He can jump out of the gym. That, that shows on defense, not just on transitions where he's dunking the ball, but it shows on defense and how he moves his feet and can keep up with the guy in front of him. I think Calhoun has the potential to be a day-one starter, and I think he's going to be a pivotal piece for this team. Well, right now, are your starting five for the Red Raiders, and then who is your sixth man? Oh, this is a difficult question, and I've been thinking about it so much lately. Just in my free time, I just think about what five guys would I run right now if I was Mark Adams. And I think I have what I like. I think that I would start Malik Wilson at the point guard, the transfer from Louisiana. I think it's going to be between him and Clance Nadolny for that spot. At the two, I would run Sardar Calhoun because I like his shooting and I think this team's going to need it. At the three, I'll have Kevin McCuller because, of course. At the four, I'll run Bryson Williams. And then at the five, I'll run Marcus Santos Silva. Now, I don't think that starting five will work in every single game. That's two big men, Bryson Williams and Marcus Santos Silva, who aren't particularly athletic on the perimeter on defense. So maybe when there's a team like Kansas, you've got to go a little bit smaller. But right now, I think that lineup has a good amount of balance and also a good amount of talent. Yeah, the sixth starter, I think we saw Adonis Arms do that at Winthrop last year. That's definitely a guy who I think could fill that role. But I'm actually going to side with Davion Warren. I really like his ability to create his own shot. He's a good shooter. He can handle the ball and he plays good defense. I think that Davion Warren becomes the sixth starter for this team and he easily competes for a spot in the starting five. All right, I've waited long enough. Uh, you know, Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle, they're both gone. What's your feeling on the Mavs? Yeah, Jerry, I, I love this question. Thank you for wanting to talk Mavs. It's obviously been in the news all week, plenty of buzz. Donnie Nelson is gone. What does that mean for the Mavericks? Well, it means that they're 
at a really pivotal point in in the franchise history. Honestly, you have a young generational superstar in Luka Doncic. You have a secondary piece in Kristaps Porzingis, who sometimes it looks like it's working really well, and then sometimes it just does not work. He can't even get on the floor. And then you've got a really interesting offseason where Josh Richardson has a player option. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be a free agent, and you are really sitting at the cusp. And now what we're seeing by Dallas making this move is saying we are serious about our future. Back-to-back first-round exits are a thing of the past. We need to get better. And so this offseason is going to be huge for the Mavericks. I think that Luka Doncic will sign the extension, and then I think there are going to be more roster moves than any of us can anticipate because I think this team's going to understand its urgency to get more talent on the roster, and I think that the front office will be doing whatever it can do to please Luka Doncic. Yeah, they they better, right? So, Luka, speaking of Luka, he gets the second uh, team All-NBA nod, you know, which makes him eligible for the Derrick Rose rule contract extension. Now, when the Mavs sign him for what will be over $200 million, Dollars. Who will be the sacrificial salary cap, cap lamb? Easy for me to say. And uh, do, who do they target next? Yeah, $200 million is a ton of money. It's actually 30% of the salary cap. So Luka Doncic is going to be a big part of your payroll going forward. And obviously, that's a non-negotiable, right? You have to give him that money. He's earned it. It just makes sense. But in terms of what that does for the rest of your team, I think you really got to look at what you want to do with Tim Hardaway Jr. Shooters in the NBA get paid. That's the way it is now. And now with you have a guy like Hardaway who's going to make big money this summer because he had a decent season last year, shot the ball really well when he was coming off the bench, really found a role there with Dallas. But he wants to be a starter. He said that. I want to be a starter now. So what does Dallas do there? That's going to be a really big decision. And then what do they do with Josh Richardson? That player option is looming large because I don't think he wants to be in Dallas anymore. Just based on what I've seen on the court, it doesn't seem like it's a great fit for him. He, he seemed frustrated in press conferences throughout the year. So if he opts out, then that gives you some more freedom to go onto the free agent market and try and get some talent. But if he opts in, then I think you've got to start looking for trades and you've got to start looking quick. Which Red Raider team will end up hosting the next national championship? Don't say meat judging. Yeah, Pete, I'm a big Tim Tadlock guy. I'm I'm a full believer. I think that he does not get enough respect from anybody, even the people who swear by his name. Tim Tadlock is the truth. I'm a believer. Texas Tech baseball is hoisting the next national championship trophy, and I cannot wait to see it. All right, where can people find your work? Yeah, Jerry, people can follow me on Twitter. My username is at R Mainville, M-A-I-N-V-I-L-L-E, and then L-B-K. And then you can find my podcast on any streaming platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, at No Middle Madness. We really appreciate the support and the streams, and thanks again for having me on. All right, co-host of the No Middle Madness podcast, occasional writer for Mavs Moneyball, and social media and digital content associate for the New York Knicks, It's Ryan Mainville. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us and see you soon. Inside the Red Raiders basketball recruiting update. All right, a lot to to go over here. The transfer portal, uh, a name or names that uh, maybe Tech is still targeting. 
and uh, maybe I also, you know, I'd like to know if there's any high school guys really that they're even. Oh, yeah. See, the transfer portal is so huge these days, you know, it seems like yeah. there's so much focus on that. But start off with the transfer portal. Yeah, I thought what Ryan Mainville said, you know, I agree with a lot. I, I mean, Kevin Samuels seems like to be the guy, but then I wonder, like, this is weird to say because he's a good player, he's an accomplished player. I mean, you don't bring in a Samuel for him to not start. You know and what I mean? He's at a TCU? Yes. Right? Okay. But he's a bona fide center. But also, I mean, you didn't bring in Bryson Williams to come off the bench either. Now, I know Williams is more of a four and Samuel's more of a five, but I don't know. In today's basketball, you know, I looked at West Virginia. You thought the Twin Towers would work, and they got a lot better, you know, uh, you know, once basically uh, Culver took over. Derek Culver became the guy, and they surrounded him with shooters. I, I feel like that's really, to me, like what I would like in terms of a roster, a guys on the on the court would be that post bona fide big man, three of these versatile six 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 seven wings that of course Tech loves to get, and then a you know a floor general point guard. To me, that's that's what college basketball is today. Um, so I, I just wonder how he would fit. It, it's I don't think you turn away at Kevin Samuel. I don't think he's going to end up necessarily with the Red Raiders, but uh, that would just be like. You know, it's a good headache to have rather than not having talent, you know. Right. But already, just with the guys they've added, um, KJ Allen, Bryson Williams, and then, you know, of course, Santa Silva returning. I mean, I think Agbo is going to play four. I mean, you look at their their front court, it's way better than, than last year. I mean, and guys that have done it. Yeah. These aren't like, I hope they can, or do you, do you think they can? It's guys that are proven mm-hmm. performers in the front court. So to go with all those versatile six, 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 seven guys. So and they also have experience. So I think maybe look to the future, and or you know hold a spot. Of course, if Shannon wants to come back, mm-hmm. I, I think it's definitely like uh, I'm leaning towards him probably going. You know him not returning, but what if who knows? You know maybe uh, he doesn't. Something happens and you don't want this. You want him to, to perform well and and uh, do great um, in the combine. But who knows? Things happen. Um, and if he returns, maybe he could raise his stock, you know, and he would be a star. He would be all Big 12 preseason, you know, feature on your team. And he would be one of the best players in college basketball. Because right now, opinion. is he, what's he projected at most draft? Now you see it. Um, Third think, round, maybe? Or no. Uh, well, second? I mean, what yeah, is he? Yeah. It's uh, early to mid-second. Okay. So, is what I'm seeing the most. Now, there are some out there that have him late first, but I don't, the, the con- general consensus is that I've seen at least is early to mid second. Okay, so is that that's still if you can be a second round guy. That's still yeah. It's, you're you know, of course, it's different right? than like the yeah. NFL, but I mean, I, you know, it's 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 complicated with basketball. Yeah. But it's not not all, it's, you don't have as much guaranteed money. If you go, if you get a first round grade and you feel confident you're going first round, you go. I right. mean, to me, it's like automatic. Auto, yeah. You get, in my opinion, life changing money. You mm-hmm. know, guaranteed money. Where Shannon is, it's a little trickier, but you know. I understand. Like, Jemias had had a similar kind of decision, and he went, and, you know, he does have some guaranteed money. It's not as much as, as like, a Culver got, mm-hmm. Jarrett Culver got, but um, he did get at least one, if not two years of guaranteed money. I think one. Uh, and, and he's a millionaire, you know? So <laughs> it's hard to argue against that, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Whether is, he's playing yeah. in the NBA or as a G League or, what, you know, whatever right now, he the guy's a millionaire, and, I, you know, I can't claim that. So uh, you can't – you understand – why these guys make these decisions. At least I do. You know, It seems like the fans are always like, he should come back. I'm like, I mean, I, of course, as a fan, I get that, but should he? He should be a millionaire. <laughs> You're like, hard to tell right. if I was 20, like, man, we'll pay you a million dollars to play basketball. Right. Like, All right, sign yeah. me up. You know, yeah. like, 
Yeah, I, I, I just I understand where they're coming from with that. Um, so I, you know, I'm just so when I, I knew uh, I had some other things going on in my life, but I, I knew early on that Bryson Williams was committing mm-hmm. way before, uh, and it which doesn't always happen. I'm not saying that it doesn't always happen, but I knew he was, and I was so excited for Tech fans out there. Of course, couldn't ruin the announcement for him or Tech or everything, but uh, that was really exciting. That was like for me like a real comfort. Uh, just because I really feel like he brings this whole roster together. Uh, so he's that good. He's that yeah. good. He's a, uh, you know, the last two years for UTEP, he was uh, first team conference USA, uh, all conference USA, um, bona fide, you know, sixteen point seven rebound uh, type guy. Also give you a couple assists, a block, uh, that kind of deal. But he's efficient as well, um, especially from the field. He shot around fifty percent, I think, two years ago. Um, and then f- just from the field, he's like a, he's an over 80% free throw shooter, which I know a lot of fans oh, nice. will be happy to hear. And he significantly raised his three point shooting over the last two years. It was like a putrid, like 18% or something to 35%, which is legit. Wow. Yeah. You shoot 35%, opposing defenses have to honor you. You can't be a stretch four without having that, yeah. especially in today's game. So, um, we know Bryson Williams can play ball. We All know right. he's going to be a bona fide Big 12 player, Division one player. So, uh, I, and that's what they were missing. They were missing, uh, uh, in my opinion. I love Marcus Santos Silva. I think he's a very good player. And you're not going to win a lot of games without him playing a prominent role, in my opinion. But and they have all these six, 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 seven guys. You know they have experience. They have Kevin McCuller, a kind of guy who knows what it takes to be a Red Raider under Mark Adams and play that kind of defense. So there's a lot of the ingredients that you want. They needed that that just bona fide scoring. The, the guy that opposing teams... Say like, all right, we got a scheme around this guy. We got to stop him, or else, you know, he can put up twenty five or thirty on us. You know, so, uh, and then he helps you on the boards. So, uh, you know, he was the missing piece, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, uh, now it's like it's on. Yeah. Now we're really going to find out how you know can this coaching staff coach? And I think that was the last question with all the experience that these guys have. Like yeah. everybody, these guys can coach. We know Mark Adams is the secret sauce. Last couple of years on defense and all that. Can they recruit? Well, yes, they can recruit. And uh, I, I really like we're going to talk about here in a minute is uh, the future recruiting. See, that's what uh, I feel like the, the way the transfer portal is right now. There's so many guys and so many teams are focusing so much on that yeah. that it seems like you know what's happening with like high school recruiting. Sure, some young, young guys in here are they even they are focusing recru- on that? Oh or what's yeah, oh uh, <laughs> they're they're hitting the trail hard. They even and I think I mentioned this in a recent show, but Brendan Housen's guy talked about a whole lot from Emeril. He uh, visited. Earlier this month, to me, and I've said this before, I think he's the key recruit of the 2022 class. You know, I, you know, I can give you his ratings and all that. Seen him play, dude's a stud. He's a, uh, I, I think he's a better ball handler than he gets credit for. And also, I mean, he's just a, a lot like when we talked about Ethan Duncan. Uh, as soon as he crosses midcourt, he's a threat. You know, to drain a three, um, and he's done it against great competition in some of the you know, AAU or summer, some of the summer league. Leagues that he's played in, he's gone against uh, top competition and dominated some of the top competition, some four and five star guys. So, Brian Housen is a stud. He's a, he's from West Texas, obviously being from Amarillo. He's visited, I don't know, I, he's probably visited ten times. I bet I've had a hundred conversations with him over the years. He loves Texas Tech. It's not just that. Okay, Beard was here, uh, you know, and some of his assistants who who could recruit. He likes Mark Adams. Uh, he likes what Texas Tech is doing, and they have a real shot with him. Of course, Oklahoma. No, Nevada, uh, Houston, or some other schools that are in the mix. But Housen is a key 
recruit for that 2022 class. And, of course, there's some other guys are going after. But I really had my antenna up for here recently. They're going after 2023 recruits. And not just any 2023 recruits, but some five-star national guys. And I want to start off with uh, Caleb Foster, a five-star out of Oak Hill Academy, which, I mean, I mean, if you know anything about college basketball, Oak Hill is one of the biggest high school, really talent-producing factories, and it has been for decades. I mean, I think, like, so many guys that have come out of that school uh, and, and, you know, gone into the NBA. So he's a 6'2 point guard, five-star guy. I think he's rated number 21 in the country. Uh, so as such, he's recruited by everybody. And then, man, this is a guy that really I'm so intrigued by, and he's from, I think, Jeff, kind of your neck of the woods, uh, 2023 center Brandon Garrison. He's a three-star out of Dell City, Oklahoma, but he's six nine. He's been offered by Houston, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. So that's not a three-star. And of course, Tech. That's not a three-star kind of rating. And to yeah, he's six nine right now. But I mean, he might end up being a six ten, six eleven guy by the time he gets on a college campus. So, but they didn't stop there. Another center I really like, and this guy, he's a national recruit. But uh, Jalen Lewis, six uh, eight, he's he's one of the, the thinner guys. He's not he hadn't really filled out, but six eight, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's rated as the number twelve overall recruit in the country, number two in California. Uh, you know he's out of Oakland, uh, and I think this is where Barrett Peary comes through that West Coast recruiting. Uh, and there's a couple other guys on the West Coast that he offered recently. And this guy, I love these kind of guys. Marquise Cook. He reminds me of Terrence Shannon, six uh, six. 190, known as a football recruit as well, uh, out of Portland, Oregon. But he's also heavily recruited in basketball. And then finally, Jared McCain, 6'2", short, uh, shooting guard out of Corona, California, also picked up an offer here the other day from Texas Tech. I really like that Barrett Peary is going to where he knows, and that's the West Coast. And I look forward to seeing what the dividends are from that. All right, man, that's some great stuff. And nice to know there are some uh, some big-time high school targets there for Mark Adams as well. All right, more uh, recruiting coming up a little bit later on in the Rockin' pregame. Jarrett will uh, talk some uh, football recruiting, which is always happening now that the in-person visits are back. Yes. Up next, it is the Lubbock Avalanche Journal Sports Editor, Carlos Silva, Jr. What's the news, Carlos? <laughs> All right, Lubbock uh, Avalanche Journal sports editor Carlos Silva Jr. talking Red Raiders uh, with us today, and uh, welcome first of all back to the uh, to the Rock and Pregame. Appreciate you, man. All right. Well, plenty of things to bring up this sports year, but what is your story of the year for Texas Tech? Man, there are so many because you look at what's kind of happened, it, and and it all depends on how you really frame this question. Like, is the story of the year losing a coach to a rival? Big 12 school? Is it the fact that, you know, you have a baseball season that starts off 0-3 and then all of a sudden you find yourself two games away from the CWS? Or is it Mark Adams coming back and being able to coach his hometown, if you will, school? He's from Brownfield, but he's coming to Lubbock, a team that he's just always loved. I would have to go with the Mark Adams story just because it's so recent, frankly. But um, I think that could be something that could just be an overall arcing storyline just even going into the basketball season because there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to be asked when you really think about it can he continue the success that has been there with texas tech in terms of getting to the postseason can he be that person that everyone continues to say well he's been this defensive architect is he going to continue that and i know the other big question and i'm sure you guys have discussed it on on the radio show but was texas tech good because of chris beard or in spite of chris beard and i think that's going to be another question 
that, that is asked. And, and for those reasons and many more, I think that would probably be my storyline, at least going into, into the uh, upcoming year. Carlos, of all the sports you cover, high school, Texas Tech, which sport do you love the most? That's really a tough one because uh, for me, I got into sports writing because I like telling stories. And number two, I got hurt playing sports, weightlifting. So anytime I cover a sport, I really enjoy telling the either the ups or the downs because it makes me feel like I'm somewhat part of it, as weird as that sounds. So, I mean, for me, my one love has been basketball, so I always enjoy high school basketball. But, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that West Texas football, just football in general in Texas isn't fun, especially when you get two small towns playing each other. The pride, it's always packed, close contest. So I think if you really, really asked me and kind of, you know, told me, okay, this is what you need, probably West Texas football, but a close second would be high school basketball. Were you a weightlifter, and what was the most you used to lift? Well, I wasn't a weightlifter. I just kind of prepared for football, and even then I wasn't that great. I think it was 225, maybe 250. Again, I'm not like some some big dude, man. I, I, I just kind of did, did what I could to try and be a, an offensive lineman at one point at Eastwood High School, so it's not it's not anything crazy. And even then, I, I barely got through summer workouts, so, so there's that. All right. Well, uh, Carlos Silva from the AJ joins us here on the Rock and Pregame. Which Texas Tech sport has the most upside, in your opinion, right now? As of right now, you really have to go Texas Tech football, just based on the way that they've been playing the last couple of years. This is a huge year for Matt Wells and his coaching staff, and I think you've seen with the transfers they've gotten in, and not only that, but the way that they've retooled this defense, I think – a lot of people are putting them lower than they probably should be. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to be, you know, top three, but I certainly think they will be a competitive team that will surprise a lot of people, especially if Tyler Shuck is able to play to his potential, transferring from Oregon, being the new quarterback, a, a guy that can throw the ball down the field. And then, of course, with Sonny Cumbie being a guy that really likes to diversify his offense, it's going to be interesting to see if Sir Roderick Thompson and Eric Hesekanma, if they're able to get healthy, can they be those two playmakers that make Tyler Shook look just as good or even better than what you've seen in some of his highlight reels? And I think that's the other thing that Texas Tech will look to do is hopefully get to a bowl game because I think anything less than that would be a very big disappointment for Texas Tech with all the accolades that they've gotten so far earlier in the preseason. And not only that, but then just I feel like I know minus COVID because of all the craziness, it didn't allow you to have your own regular offseason. Obviously, Matt Wells got here a year going into an offseason where you didn't really necessarily get one. Now you finally get this one offseason. I think this is where you're going to see the type of team that Matt Wells really wanted to see in the last couple of years. A team that is hopefully, again, using the word hopefully, good on offense, defense, and special teams. One of those already with Keith Patterson at the helm, the defensive side already showing how good it could be. Special teams and offense, that's the, the ones that you're going to see uh, if, if they can get better and obviously improve from four wins. Well, I hear you love food, beer, and travel. Where's the best place for a bite to eat in Texas outside Lubbock and your favorite beer? Man, you really want to put me on the spot and make people hate me, don't you? Uh, let's see here. Outside Lubbock. Well, I mean, I could go back to El Paso and be nice. Could do that. Um, man, you're really putting me on the spot here. There are so many places. Because here's the thing is like, if you go outside of Lubbock, I could go to any of the Big 12 spots that I've been to, but I think the one place where there was a lot of hype 
And the only reason I say this was because uh, a couple of coworkers got upset because I did this. I woke up my coworkers at about four or five in the morning to go to Franklin's Barbecue in Austin. And that is literally the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Did I wait four hours for it? Absolutely, I did. Were my coworkers upset that they had to wake up early? Absolutely, they were. But you know what? I saved them some stuff. They didn't have to wait in line. They went back to sleep. Everything worked out. Brad is okay. He's still doing his own thing, shooting photos. So he, he was happy. And my buddy Quentin got some extra Franklin's barbecue brisket. So that would be my answer for barbecue. Uh, in terms of my favorite cold beverage, I know, I know I'm not a uh, beer snob, so to speak, but Dos Equis is probably my go-to. It's something that I used to have a lot in El Paso, so I think just the nostalgia factor just makes me like the, the taste of it, and it makes me kind of feel like, okay, I might be back in El Paso whenever, whenever I do partake in, in, in that uh, tasty beverage. Which newcomer on any Texas Tech team are you excited about right now? I think you have to go Tyler Shuck just because it's going to be so quick and you're going to see what Matt Wells and uh, maybe even Sonny Cumbie saw in this Oregon transfer. He's going to be your biggest guy. He's going to be the face of the team if he's able to win that quarterback position. Obviously, Henry Columbia is another guy in the mix as well. But I think if Tyler Shuck is able to play the potential, I think you're going to be very happy with what you see in the offense for the Red Raiders in the fall for the uh, football ball team. Uh, anyone else, maybe in men's basketball, you can talk about any of the transfers as well, but I think uh, just at least going into the football season, I think Tyler Shuck is going to be your most important guy because he is the quarterback of the Texas Tech football team. Alright, Carlos, so we already asked you about your favorite food in Texas. How about this? Uh, which high school facility is your favorite to visit? Once again, you guys are trying to put me on the spot, but uh, Abernathy certainly a nice one that I've enjoyed. Leveland's a good one. I'd be remiss if I didn't say LISD just because they hook us up with some uh, pregame meals. So appreciate you all, especially some of the sponsors that do get us that delicious food uh, before a high school football game. That's one of the things that are, of course, as you guys know, with uh, the media, if there's food, I'm sure you'll find a media person somewhere close to it. So certainly something that I always enjoy. But yeah, in terms of that, it's always cool. The, the other one that I would say that just for a nostalgia factor, I've been to the Mustang Bowl in Sweetwater. That's always cool. Uh, just because of the history behind that. Um, and then, I don't know if you count it as a high school stadium, but technically AT&T Stadium houses some high school football games. That one's pretty nice, too. But if I had to stay close to home, I'd say uh, Abernathy's nice. Uh, haven't seen Floyd Data. Heard some good things about Floyd Data and their new stadium. Leveland, certainly one that's really cool. And then LISD, uh, the Lowry Field is always, is always a fun high school football stadium. But I, honestly, for me, anytime I go to a small town high school game those are always fun because it, it's always packed the press box is small so sometimes you hear you know the, the local radio station or sometimes you'll hear the offensive or the defensive coaches either upset or happy when there's a big play so sometimes you get a little bit of inside access if you will because of that and i think those are the ones that are special to me well speaking of level land we'll be speaking to new athletic director and head coach lyle leong jr coming up on the rock and pregame what will be the sports story we will all be telling before the end of the year? Oh, man. Overall, I think uh, will Texas Tech be in a bowl game? I think that's going to be the, the, the big overarching theme, at least from a Texas Tech athletics perspective. Um, I think that's going to be going to, to, to be one that everyone is following because I think whether you like him or not, I think Matt Wells has been a polarizing figure since he's been here. Not his fault, just because of all the names that were brought up when he was hired initially, and I think that's 
something that he's been fighting since he first started here. So I think if he does get to a bowl, finally shows that, okay, these last three years he's been building towards what this was. I think the other thing that's hurt him too is the fact that they were talking about being elite and they haven't been that the last couple of years. But I think they've been doing what they can to deal with this new transfer portal. They've certainly hit on all their transfers so far that they've had the last couple of years. And I think this is the year again that they're going to look to put things together. And if they're able to get to a bowl, I think that's going to silence a little bit of the, the detractors. And in terms of high school, I think just being able to get through a quote unquote normal season, I think that's going to be something that we can all agree on just to be able to, you know, enjoy sports, be able to go to a packed stadium. I know that's something that everyone's been looking at is, you see all these places going back to 100%. I know the big one was obviously, uh, I believe it was the Rose Bowl in California. So I think uh, that's certainly kind of cool just to see things getting back to normal. I think that's one thing, as you guys well know from last year, when nothing was going on, it's just nice just to be able to cover some things and obviously tell the stories of all the, the local and the area high school kids around here. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that, Carlos. Uh, hey, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal as a whole? I think you guys can kind of agree with me, but uh, I was talking to my buddy Sam Conn at The Athletic, and I think the transfer portal is free agency, essentially. And now when you look at the high school prospects, they're almost like free agency. you got guys that you're going to have a couple years to maybe develop and figure out, okay, are they going to be good or not? And then the transfer portal, as I mentioned before, free agency. If you need an offensive tackle like Texas Tech did, you go look and get T.J. Stormont, you're able to fill a need without having to wait a couple years necessarily for this high school kid. Or maybe you were waiting on a guy two years uh, ago and he's ready. Now you can add depth or you can add a all-conference player like a T.J. Stormont. Or even if you're looking for a quarterback that can throw the ball deep and maybe be a little dual threat, uh, dual threat uh, quarterback in Tyler Shuck. I think that's something that that is huge for college football. I think it's going to change things, especially for just even basketball and any sport, because essentially it allows coaches. And I know the big thing too, is now it's going to make kids wonder, well, is the grass greener on the other side? In some instances, yes. But I think the one thing that's going to help colleges do is be able to kind of pick and find the type of player that they're looking for specifically, whether that's, you know, like I mentioned, Tyler Shuck or, Maybe uh, recently as they got a wide receiver with experience, you're able to find any type of need, or if you have a need, pardon me, you're going to be able to fill that with a transfer from the portal. And I think that's the one thing that I would say is that it's going to help colleges in that sense, but then it's going to hurt in the other sense because now it makes other kids wonder, well, if it's not going well here, maybe it can go well over here. But obviously, as we've kind of seen with, I believe it's like more than 1,500 players in the transfer portal sometimes it's not always green and maybe you're going to lose out your opportunity that you initially thought you had when you you know got got your chance from uh, going to high school to college all right he's award-winning journalist carlos silva jr joining us on the rock and pregame today and carlos if you could uh, change or improve one thing about the uil what would it be there's a lot of ways you can look at this but i think the one thing that really is interesting in my view is just the ability to I would say maybe watch you know some of their decisions in like a DEC or just if there's a transfer because the, the one thing that's tough for us being in Lubbock is if there's some other meetings in Austin or sometimes it's in Dallas or even Round Rock or some, some other place it's difficult for us to get there and I think if there's a way that we could somehow use Zoom. I think that's the one positive uh, um, 
that, that we've kind of found out with Zoom throughout the last year and a half due to the obvious uh, COVID-19 pandemic is that it allows us to, you know, bridge that gap of we don't necessarily have to be five places at once or you can in, in a sense to where if it's spread out, you can be at a meeting or you can be at this sporting event. And I think that's the one thing that I would say is if there's a little bit more uh, access to that, if they're able to get us to be able to, you know, record press conferences, if we're not able to get to a cross country meet or something else like that, I think that's something that I would like. Uh, I know obviously the, the one rule that just came out recently, I'm sure everyone's happy about that is being able to stream uh, high school football games on Friday. I think that's something that, again, access to where people can watch games that maybe aren't able to get to all these high schools due to, you know, uh, their own reasons. But if you're able to stream it, that gives you a little bit more access. And I think that's something that, that can be good for everyone. Do you think name, image, and likeness will get done this year, or will it be trapped between government and the NCAA? I don't know if trap's the right word, but I certainly think it's going to get delayed as best as it can because I think uh, once it hits, it's going to hit big. And I think that July 1 date is going to be interesting for Texas, but I certainly think uh, it's really gearing towards getting here. It's just a matter of who will be the first to get there because whichever state does do it first, it's going to put them ahead of the game in terms of colleges that are, as you guys have seen with Texas Tech announcing uh, their partnership with Open Doors, then of course Texas doing their deal as well everyone is is at least at the college level ready for this it's just a matter of how will it be rolled out and i think that's the the thing about the ncaa they're certainly trying to push it back as much as they can but i think uh as of right now i think it's gonna happen it's just it's gonna take a little bit of time so i guess to your point it may be stuck for a little bit but i certainly think it is gonna happen let me ask you what do you do when aren't covering sports i want to know that's a really good question uh I mean, the easy question would just be to, you know, zone out and play video games, I suppose. But I don't have any video games. I haven't turned on my PlayStation in about six months. I would say barbecuing. Uh, that's something that's always fun to do. You know, just kind of, you know, be outside, look at the West Texas sunset every once in a while, just kind of, you know, not think about sports for a little bit. Because, I mean, the, the one thing that I've done that I'm sure is going to shock a lot of people is I don't have cable. I just don't watch TV and stuff because I think if you get yourself too stuck into all of this it's going to really overwhelm your mind so what i try to do is focus on texas tech local high schools and kind of everything else that we deal with and then at a certain point of the day i just kind of either turn on sleep mode or i just you know zone out and just kind of do my own thing whether that's you know play some board games or something else and i think that's the balance i need to kind of refresh myself and get ready for the next day covering sports or whatever it is uh, that, that we're doing that that certain day. It's an in-depth view from the mind of Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Carlos, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today on the Rockin' Pregame. Anytime. I appreciate you all, and uh, you all have a good day. All right, we'll do it. And uh, coming up next, former Red Raider wide receiver, now AD and head football coach in Leveland, Lyle Leong Jr. joins us on the Rockin' Pre. Coach Lyle Leong Jr. All right, our next guest is number two in Texas Tech uh, career, receiving touchdowns from his time playing for the Red Raiders from 2007 to 2010. His next challenge is being the AD and head coach of the Leveland Lobos. We welcome back to the Rockin' Pregame, Lyle Leong Jr. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. It's always an honor to get to come hang out and talk to my family. So I appreciate you letting me come on and hang out. 
Well, for those of you who don't know, Lyle's daughter, Logan, has been getting stem cell treatments mm. before the pandemic to help with left-sided spastic hemiplegic cerebral palsy. Before we talk sports, could you give us an update on Logan's progress? Oh, man. First off, I just want to tell one in the, the Red Raider Nation how much of a blessing they've been to me and my family. So thank you to everyone that, you know, said prayers, donated. I mean, you guys have been nothing but a blessing to me and my family. But um, it's been great. We've been able to see a lot of improvement. Uh, she actually had her first soccer season this year, and I was a little nervous how I had to go, but she did a great job. I mean, she was, she was able to keep up and do a good job. So, like I said, it's been a blessing uh, to see the progress. And like I said, Red Raider Nation is a, is a big part of that, and you guys do are a big part of it. So we can't tell you guys thank you enough for me and my family. You've been offensive coordinator for Highlands High School in San Antonio. What did you learn uh, from coaching there? Oh, just, just learned a lot. You know, you grow each year as a coach. Each year you learn something new, you grow, you get better as a coach. And I think for me being the offense coordinator, getting to be able to control the offense has, has taught me a lot of things. Um, you know, because it's a lot of things that uh, come within that offense coordinator position. And that, that goes for, you know, how, how fast do you want to go? Clock management, um, big play decisions, fourth and one. So I think it allowed me to grow as a coach. And I think we'll take on the, the same playing style kind of this community and this community is a hard-working community um, that does things the right way and I think that this, this team this year will be proof of the community you know we're going to do things right we're going to play as hard as we can and, and you'll be able to tell it'll be a well-coached team well-disciplined team that are going to do the things that they need to do and I think um, when you do those things the wins come so I'm excited to get it going and, and these kids I feel like they're excited too so I can't wait so now you take on the challenge of being an athletic director and have football coach in Leveland. Why was this opportunity perfect for you and your family? Oh, uh, definitely. I'm a West Texas guy. I grew up in and Texas Tech gave me my first opportunity um, to to come out and play football. And and so to get the opportunity to come back and get my first head coaching job in the same area, you know, it, it's like I couldn't write that in a book. Um, so it, it's been amazing. West um, West Texas has been nothing but great to me and to top it all off like that I feel like I, I fit this community and the community fits me as as far as just hard working people that do the right thing and like I said there's not many communities um, that I've been a part of that are as, ma- are, are as amazing as this one so um, like I said I'm just I'm, I'm blessed to get to be in a community with such tradition and, and such hard working good people so, I've heard through the grapevine that you were trying to get a certain Rawls College of Business grad who used to throw you the ball as part of your staff. Is Taylor Potts biting at the invitation yet? No, I, I need Ray, I need the uh, help of Red Raider Nation. I'm going to have to uh, do something. we got to get this man over here. I don't know how to do it or how we could get it done, but if, if y'all can help me, start flooding him with, with everything and tell him he needs to be over here uh, with his brother. I appreciate y'all very much. Well, athletic director and head football coach for the Leveland Lobos, former Red Raider Lyle Leong Jr. joining us on the Rockin' pregame. Leveland was 2-9 and nine last year and hasn't gotten past the bi-district championship in the last two seasons. How do you change a program that has struggled for the joys of winning? What do you think about the facilities in Leveland? I think it's, it's, a, it's a culture. Um, I think that starts with the coaches and how you're doing things. 
And I also, you know, got this from um, Coach Leach. I think it's a, it's a mentality. Um, the mentality's got to change. It's got to um, not become something that you wish to do. It's got to kind of uh, become an expectation. And uh, once you once you get that mindset, once once everyone gets on board and starts rolling in that same direction, that's when those type things happen. I think the key to, to making that happen uh, is definitely starting with the mentality. And, you know, you got to put in what it takes in the offseason to get to that point. You know, a lot of people think you just um, wake up and get to that point. It's a lot of hard work in the offseason. It's a lot of doing the right things in the offseason. It's a lot of prepping in the offseason. You know, uh, football is the only sport you prep all year and play 10 games, if that. I think it's, it's definitely uh, headed in the right direction so far. And, and, and I think that they're starting to take on that mentality that we got to work. We got to earn it now. And then we'll get to, um, you know, enjoy those, those big wins and, and getting to go play in those cool places. So I think we're definitely on, on to the right track. Man, there's not many places that the community takes care of their athletic programs so well. I was able, when I came out here to see these facilities, and I mean, they're amazing. Um, and, and to top it off and make it even better, um, the administration, they're awesome too. So it's not many places that you have that type of support and that you have those type of facilities for the betterment of your kids, for the betterment of your program. So like I said, to get out here and be able to have these facilities and administration, I mean, that's, um, that's any dream of a, of a head coach. And so for me to get this opportunity on my first head coaching job, um, I can't be anything but thankful. All right, well, you've been uh, over to the new Texas Tech facilities. What's your opinion on how Texas Tech football has changed in the 11-plus years since you left? The only thing I say about that is they should have did it 11 years ago, I say. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being honest. I think it's amazing, and it's just it's a testimony of the great things that Tech is doing and the great things that um, Tech is going to do. I think Coach Wells is, is doing a great job. I think sometimes we forget it's a process to get where we want to be. So I remember when we first started, when I first got there to Texas Tech, I mean, Coach Leach, you know, did a good job. We always went to a bowl, but it was a process to get to be ranked number two. And so I think they're doing a good job. I think Texas Tech is, is, is doing great things as far as facility-wise and taking care of those kids. So I'm excited to see. I, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised this upcoming season on the things that's about to happen, but I think they've done a good job, and I, I think they're just right now, you know, in the process. And, and uh, when the end results come, I think people will be really surprised and really happy. I'm excited to see what they do. And like I said, underneath my uh, double L, I always have a double T, so I'll for sure be cheering and watching every game. We mentioned being surprised. After talking with Coach Wells, what do you think Red Ritter fans are going to be surprised about this year? Uh, I definitely think, like I said, it, it goes back to the process. Like I said, I went up there earlier this year. Uh, whenever I'm in this area, I stop by and go talk to them. And just the progress I've seen in my two visits, I haven't been there very much, but just the progress, you know, the things that they're doing, I think that they're setting them up to be successful. I think they got some great pieces that they needed this upcoming year, and, and that's exciting. I'm, and sometimes it takes one, two pieces to complete that puzzle. So I think they've done a great job with the people they brought in, the, the kids they brought in, the coaches they brought in, um, and Texas Tech with the new facilities. And like I said, I think they're really, really close. I just think, like I said, it's the process sometimes it may take a little longer than people may like. But just the overall facilities and things I've seen, 
I mean, I know they're heading in the right direction. I know how hard those guys work, you know, former Red Raiders on there. So I, I, I know they work. I know they love that um, university. And, and I know that they're going to get us right. And I know they're going to do a great job. So like I said, I'm, I won't be surprised at all. It might be some other people, but I know for a fact they're going to do some great things. And I'm just happy I get to be close enough so I can go be a fan sometimes and, and cheer those guys on. Well, Lyle, 70 days from today, uh, it's your first game, August 27th, Leveland, hosting Plainview. I know you got to be looking forward to it, Coach. Oh, no, I'm excited. I can't wait. I was uh, messing with Jamar Wall. That's his hometown, so I was giving him a hard time you know, messing with him. But I'm, I'm excited to get the opportunity. And like I said, these kids and, and this community, they're, they're ready to win, win. They're ready to work hard. They're ready to they're ready to take that next step. And so I'm excited. And I, I think that, well, I don't think I know we're going to take that next step. And I know what's uh, going to happen. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. And I, I think these kids are ready, especially after, you know, COVID last year with all the restrictions and all that, that stuff. Um, I think these kids are ready to get it going and, and show what they can do. Cause some of these kids been working hard for a long time to get this opportunity. Um, so like I said, I, I I'm just appreciative um, and I think it's going to be a great turnout. I, I think it's it's going to be, um, you know, a lot of people for these kids cheering them on. And I think it's going to be awesome, and I'm excited. So can't wait. All right, so what uh, what did you tell uh, Plainview alum Jamar Wall anyway? So, Jamar, I hope this doesn't ruin our brotherhood, you know, but we got to do what we got to do. I still love you, but we got to do it. So I just, like, mess with him, give him a hard time, and, and uh, he said the same thing to me. He said he apologized that he had to do that to me. So, like I said, it's all fun, and, and I'm glad that I get to be in the situation and, and even joke around like that. So, I know it's going to be a great game. I know they have great coaches over there. I know those guys. So, I know they'll be ready to go and, and do a great job, too. So, it'll be a great game, and I'm just glad I get to be a part of it. All right, athletic director and head football coach for the Leveland Lobos, former Red Raider Lyle Leong Jr. And Lyle, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all so much. And I said, Raider Nation, love you guys, and um, I'll be seeing a lot of you soon. So I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me on. All right, coming up next, Jarrett breaks down more uh, recruiting news, this time with football. Uh, a lot of guys visiting Texas Tech these days, so we'll get you all updated next. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting update. All right, uh, a lot going on uh, now that in-person recruiting is back and, and things uh, seem to be normal. That's uh, that's great news right there, and I know yeah. there's been a ton of visitors already, but what's happening? Well, let's start off with the commit. Um, Hut Graham out of Gunter, who was like Mr. Do-It-All for Gunter, who... You know, I believe they knocked Eastland out of the playoffs. Um, you know, so, and this is just, that program's a powerhouse. And he played a little bit of everything. He played on both sides of the ball for Gunter, quarterback. You know, he's a, also a great ability as a runner, but also defense. And that's where Texas Tech likes him is, is that safety. But, you know, we had a story on Inside the Red Raiders about him committing. And he basically said, look, I want to do whatever the team needs me to do. If they need me to play quarterback, I'll play quarterback. If they want me to play running back, okay. You know, they want me to play a little receiver, play safety, whatever, whatever they need. So he's a coach's son, and they're off the schneid for class of 2022, right? And I think they're going to be off and running uh, at this point. And a big part of that is, like Jeff said, you know, in-person recruiting is back, and Tech has had some really 
good players come through already in June, and they have a, uh, the next two weekends are you could argue the two best weekends, uh, you know, of the whole month. So I want to start off with uh, edge rusher Derek Brown, who's you know four star guy, crystal ball right now is to Oklahoma. He came for an unofficial. I mentioned this I think last week, but he came for an unofficial earlier this month. I think like around the the fourth. Uh, actually, no, it was like the first, the first day. So he came, the first day in-person recruiting was allowed. He came and visited Texas Tech for an unofficial, and then he scheduled an official for, you know, this weekend. So I, that's someone to really keep an eye on. Uh, Jalen Peoples, cornerback from the Metroplex, you know, there's a, a lot of competition for his services. You're wondering if he, because I think he had an announcement where he was going to commit before the official visit, so that didn't sound good, right? <laughs> He's delayed the announcement. It's, uh, you know, he hasn't announced now, and he's going to come visit Tech first. So I'm telling you, there's a chance. At least he didn't <laughs> announce somewhere else before visiting. You know, uh, and so and there's some other guys like linebacker Jared ba- uh, Batty is a or Beatty actually is how you say that. Um, he's an interesting recruit. Uh, you know, like I said, and I've been beating this drum. Texas Tech really can recruit linebackers now, like we've seen them recruit receivers, kind of above their. You know, status just because of the performance and what they get out of uh, those two positions, and it's all about for these recruits getting to the league. Which who could blame them? If you're going to go play Power Five football, you know that should be one of your main goals is getting to the league. Why not? You know, I mean that'd be weird if you didn't have that goal. So um, Keith Patterson has a great uh, track record there, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Beatty. So. Then the next weekend is what I've really been excited about. It's the weekend of the 25th. Um, there's a lot of Tech's top targets are coming in. It starts with uh, edge rusher Curly Thomas. And if you listen to the show, you listen to our football recruiting, recruiting, I've talked about Curly Thomas so many times. And he's another one of those recruits. I don't know how many conversations, direct messages, texts we've shared uh, over the last year or so, but it's a lot. Uh, and there, you know, there's a lot of recruiting analysts covering a lot of teams in this region who could probably say the same thing because, you know, Oklahoma State, Baylor, um, TCU, uh, all want Curly Thomas, who is like a 6'3, 6'4, 245 pound edge rusher out of Fort Worth Nolan. I think he had like 20 sacks last year. Um, uh, the dude's just a monster. And he's being re- recruited as such. He's one of Tech's, you know, Top. He's in the top. He may be the very top in terms of uh, targets for this class, this 2022 class, but he's certainly top five. Another major target, pardon the pun, is all-purpose back Major Everhart out of uh, Amarillo, Tascosa. He's a guy who's really blown up. He's really blown up, uh, you know, or he did during track season. And uh, he's, a, he's a versatile guy. I think, you know, Tech at first was recruiting him, Sonny Cumbie was as a slot receiver. Slot receivers have had a lot of success, needless to say, uh, here at Texas Tech. And uh, Sonny Cumbie obviously knows a lot about that. So they've had his ear. They were on him early. But, I mean, now he's picking up offers to be, you know, a running back and inside receiver at schools like Penn State. Uh, You know, major programs from coast to coast now are aware of Major Everhart. So this is a really important, uh, coming up on, on June 25th, official visit for him and Texas Tech. Cornerback Marion Horn out of Oklahoma. Just beast stud. Uh, huge fan of his. Uh, I think just getting him to visit is a major accomplishment because, you know, Oklahoma is on him. Oklahoma State is on him. It's really hard to get him or get those kind of prospects out of the Sooner State. So if if they somehow are able to pry him out of Oklahoma, then, I mean, 
you really got to start tipping your cap to this coaching staff because that uh, that's just a, diff- a difficult task, but it's nice they're going to have him on campus. Robert Spears Jennings is another guy I wanted to mention, uh, wide receiver who's very high on Texas Tech. He told me he can't wait to visit. And then finally, office alignment Sheridan Wilson out of Argyle. Obviously, his teammate Jack Tucker is uh, here now uh, from this last class. Big-time offense alignment, a lot of competition, but Texas Tech is in good with him. All right. That's some good stuff, and uh, that's uh, you want to continue uh, always keeping up with uh, Texas Tech recruiting. Be sure and subscribe to InsideTheRedRaiders.com. Jared and his staff do a, an amazing job of uh, all the recruiting info, and I throw that out there especially because uh, this is our last show for a while. We're taking our summer oh, yeah. break, and uh, we'll be back uh, sometime in August. We'll let you know, so we'll be getting ready for a new football season. Uh, one more thing to do, though. Coming uh, coming up here, uh, we'll get our final word uh, before we wrap up today's show. The final word. And since this is the final show of the season, the final word, I want to know what you guys are planning to do this summer, Jeff. Um, let's see. Well, I have got to. Uh, I, well, I say I have to. I mean, I, I, I'm going to Cancun, and I don't. That that sounds that you sounds have really. To? That sounded really bougie, didn't it? <laughs> really bougie. I no. have to go to oh, Cancun. No. <laughs> it, it was, but no. What was my, my son was, was supposed to get married last year, and it was oh, a yeah, destination yeah. wedding. That whole thing. Well, it, it all canceled, like a lot of weddings did, because of the COVID stuff. So they, my son and his uh, his wife Kayla, they went. You know, they got married last year here in Lubbock. But they still wanted to go somewhere and you know just sure. have that that wedding that they had dreamed of. So, um, so we're going to Cancun here in a few weeks. So that's kind of cool. I'll be doing that and probably some uh, some fly fishing and uh, much like you, Sean, I'm sure fire up some fire up the grill a little bit this summer. So I got a lot, a lot of fun stuff to look forward to. What about you, Pete? Oh man, I just you know I got to get Bella a car. I'm gonna spend time with the kids. I mean. Man, I got I a hoopty for you. If I could find <laughs> it's a Toyota, it'll run. It. It. Yeah. Man, if I could find the rewind button on life, I would go back. Man, I like when my kids were little, but now we're getting into serious stuff. Sixteen and fourteen, and you know, getting ready for college oh. and all that stuff. So you know, life is getting real for me. But uh, man, I love my job. I'm gonna get away uh, when I can from that. But you know, I'm gonna be on TV doing my thing. And a month from the day, we start our high school previews. Wow, and. Uh, we still are continuing our little lunch church every month, so I'll I'll mention that uh, we got on paper at, at this point Jarrett Culver and his dad Hiawatha wow. in mid July, and then July 29th penciled in. I got Matt Mooney. You want to get on our list? Uh, text blessing to five nine nine two five, and we'll just text you when these events happen. Uh, just sports figures in town coming and talking about their faith fellowship. We got food. We all get together. Good time once a month. Uh, lunch church. That's what I'll be doing. I want to be there for at least one or both of those. That sounds amazing. What about you, Jarrett? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on family here for the next month or so, you know, big time. Um, my son and I are planning on kind of going on a tour, seeing some friends and family that we've kind of put off. I mentioned my 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 man Pokey Lafarge is one of my favorite. Uh, y'all, may, Pete likes to make fun of me with that dude's name, but okay. he's a great musician, and he just released a, a song called uh, "Get It For It's Gone," and uh, basically it's just saying, you know. Uh, waiting till later sometimes is too late, and that's been hammered home for me. So I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go see some family that I've been, I have been putting off, and, and friends, dear friends, and uh, take my son and just uh, we're going to go, you know, be together. And then I'm going to come back and gear up for this year. Like I said, that I'm so excited about with Texas Tech sports, Tech football. I really think it's going to be better than it has been in a long time after getting to see the roster and that great access they gave us in spring. 
Um, and then basketball, I mean, look at the recruiting You know, we talked about earlier. I mean, they have some real pieces, and I'm really excited to see what Mark Adams can do. And then, you know, Tim Tadlock and baseball, you know they're going to do what they do. So that, with all the recruiting, I'm really going to gear up for that, for in-person coverage of Texas Tech sports, the non-COVID stuff. So just, uh, you know, family, then get ready. All well, right, Sean, what do you got? Well, before I say mine, I just want to wish each and every one of you and uh, all our uh, fathers out there, happy Father's Day. All right. Indeed. Thank you. Uh, for me, it's going to be going out to uh, Fredericksburg for the 175th anniversary. Uh, they're going to have a big July 4th uh, shindig. And then uh, for, for a lot of grilling, a lot of... I'm, <laughs> my wife has gotten a, a brand new 17-inch Blackstone griddle for me. So, nice. So it will be a lot of experimenting for a lot of, uh, a lot of tailgating. First up on my tour, maybe uh, Bronson and Bronson. beer over at All right. Casa, beer. Casa Dillon. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the last one. All right. And by the way, uh, Jerry, I did take your advice on Charlie Crockett. I listened to Charlie Crockett. And? Really cool. Yeah. I liked it. I, I did. I liked that a lot. So thank you for the uh, music tip All there. Right. All right. So uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back in August. We'll let you know when. The Red Raider Outfitter to you by Red Raider Outfitter, Sonko, Meineke, Fortenberry Roofing. Western Water Well Drilling and Pump Service, the equipment, and Mitch Hall Chevrolet Buick GMC in La Mesa. Our thanks to studio engineer Nick Toshek, producers Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, Jeff Scott, Alpha Media Senior VP Jay Richardson, voice talent and DeWig, Troy Duran, engineer Dave Fernandez, and director, executive producer Sean Dillon. Portion pre-recorded. For Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, and Jeff Scott, Rackham Tech from the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pre-Game on 101.1 The Beard. The views of the proceeding are those of the participants and may not necessarily be those of Alpha Media USA or its advertisers. This is a production of Alpha Media Lubbock.